go. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate it. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's good to see the family of faith. It's good to look around and see people in the house of the Lord. Amen. Isn't it awesome to be in the house of the Lord? Will you look at your neighbor and say, man, it is awesome to see you this morning. Amen. Awesome to see the people of God. Amen. It's good to see the family of faith and all the people of God. Listen, there is nothing, listen, I want you to get this, there's nothing great. I know you've been a lot of places. If you're like me, I've traveled all over the world. There is nothing better than to be in a place where you can hear God speak to you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It's your burning bush for the week, amen, where the Spirit of God's going to speak to you, amen. I pray that today, listen, I know you've probably heard a lot of things this week. Anybody hear a lot of things this week? Things just, just stuff, right? But today you're going to hear the voice of God. Amen. That's just incredible, incredible that we're in that place. Amen. And so praise the Lord that we're here and we're able to see one another. Josh and your family, it's good to see you, my man. It's a blessing to see you. Always a blessing to see friends of the, of the church and people that when they go out of town or move out of town, when they come into town, they come see you. Amen. You know you've got a friend indeed, right? And so it's just good to be around the family of faith. Amen. And, and, and Christian, I want to say thank you, my man. Uh, Christian's uh, helping us now with, with, that, with them keyboards. So he's got them, them nice fingers. Amen. No room to clap the keys. Amen. So listen today. We, we, we've got some work to do today. Can I share with you today that I'm going to give you a reality check? Any, anybody need a check in your reality? You need a check in that. Sometimes you got to check to see. If you're even in a reality, right? So we're going to be doing that this morning. And the message entitled, This Is That. So this is the fourth message in the series. Begin from the beginning. i got one more message next week. And that's going to be a powerful message. Let me encourage everybody to make plans to be here next Sunday. I don't care what somebody tells you. You're going to, they're going to take you to a fancy restaurant. They promise you to take you on a cruise. Say, I can't go. I've got a commitment on Sunday. Because you've got to hear the message through, right? So we're going to be talking about something very important. So let's do this today. I want you to stand because we're going to read the, we're going to, we always stand in reverence for the reading of the word of God here at Harvest Point Church. And I want you to go to a, to a passage in the Bible. You're all familiar with this. It's Acts chapter two. And I want to read to you, uh, uh, this of course is uh, kind of a, maybe a part two, maybe the last week. How many know last week we read Joel chapter two? Today we're going to read Acts chapter two, which is really a revision of Joel chapter 2, and we're just going to read it again, but there's a nuance here that I want to give to you because the nuance is this is that. This is that. Can you look at your neighbor and say, this is that? Okay. And I want to teach you what this is that. I want to teach it to you. This is that, and we're going to get into that here in, in just a moment. So let me get my Bible. And, and you know what? I think I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Jay, you can bring me down just a little bit. I, I'll do my best to to do some screaming while I'm preaching. Somebody say hallelujah there. Amen. So if you're in Acts chapter 2, slide your finger down to verse 12. I'm going to read here at verse 12. And then I'm going to take this all the way through. I, I have this circle all the way through verse 21. So if you're in Acts chapter 2, I'll start here at verse 12. So read along with me. Catch this. Of course, you know, this is after the day uh, the, when Pentecost had fully come. Uh, the, the, all that were in the upper room were, were radically transformed by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. Uh, there were cloven tongues resting upon each of them. The Holy Ghost was pouring out, right? 
And so the people that were there saw that, and this is where we begin at verse 12, and it says, and they were all amazed, catch this, and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Did you see that? They were all amazed, and even in their own amazement, they were in doubt. And so they asked, what meaneth this? Now watch this. Others, others mocked and said, these men are full of new wine. Come on, somebody. Somebody say they were drunk. Now watch this. Now catch it. You got to catch this. This, this, this is powerful. Watch this. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, 9 a.m. Verse 16. Catch this. But this is that. You see that? Did y'all catch that? Peter says, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. This is, this is Peter quoting the prophets. Right? So he's quoting the prophets. Yeah, how many know we should be able to quote the prophets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Peter begins to quote the prophet. He says that, that, that this will come to pass. In the last day, say God, he says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So, so how many are in your Bible still, right? I want to read this to you again. Verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the what days? Will you look at your neighbor and say, these are the last days? Because sometimes I feel like when I'm preaching to you, you think I'm just trying to invoke a response out of you when I tell you that these are the last days. These are the last days, church. These are the last days, right? So even then, 2,022 years ago, Peter stood up and said, this is the last days. Now watch this. I'm going to teach you something because he's talking about the former reign. Watch what he says. And these are the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved Maranatha will y'all pray with me this is the this is that prayer Holy Spirit without your help we cannot identify the day nor the time or hour Holy Spirit, invoke vision in the house of God. Clarity, sight. Help us connect to this, this thing we call faith. This person we call Christ. Help us to see him clearly again. Help us to see the world around us as we should. Open our eyes again. Let us be as Peter was. Prepared in the word. That he would say, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. 
I pray today a move of the Spirit of God in your house. And Father, it is just as you told me it would be this morning. Father, you're going to communicate a word today that can be life-changing, can be transformational in our spiritual lives if we'll hear the word, if we'll see the word again. And so we pray blessing and help and strength over the family of faith move dynamically here as we get into this place. This is that. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go grab somebody and just hug them and say, what meaneth this? What meaneth this? And I'm going to talk about that here in just a minute. What meaneth this? God is awesome. Say hello to somebody. What meaneth this? I've come to give you a reality check. Brother Jesse, what meaneth this? Yay. Brother Danny, what meaneth this? Come on. Brother Michael Saldana, what meaneth this? Brother George God says, what meaneth this? Yeah. What meaneth this? How beautiful are the family of faith. How beautiful it is, the family of God. Thank you, Christian. What meaneth this? I've come to give you a reality check. A check into your spiritual life. You know, most of us perceive reality in this world because we have senses. In fact, I'm told that most of us, not all of us, have five senses. You know what they are. Seeing. Hearing. Smelling. Tasting. It's how you know that you are living in your reality. It's not immoral of itself. It's just how we connect to the world. How many are glad that you can touch something? <laughs> Give your neighbor a high five. Say, I'm so glad I could touch somebody. I've been told that people go crazy when they're not touched. How, how many are glad today that you have Taste buds, you can, you can taste, isn't it nice to taste? I mean, you can taste when something's bad, something's pugnant, something's bad, something's sour. But we can also taste something sweet. I'm told that as you get a little older, your taste buds, the ones that you lose, don't come back. You know you have 10,000 taste buds in your mouth? On your tongue, you can discriminate even from the, the finest of things. It's nice to taste. We perceive our world that way, through touching, through tasting. How many know it's nice to smell? I'm just going slow because I, I want this to fall on your heart a little bit. Th this is your reality. We, 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 we learn how to touch, we taste, we smell. How many know it's nice to smell? Sometimes, you know, things may not be pleasant to 
to your nostrils. The aroma may not be well, but it's still nice to smell. How many know it's nice to hear? Let me say that one more time. How many know it's nice to be able to hear things? Right? That even when you can't hear, you'll get a hearing aid because we know how important it is to hear. How many know it's nice to see? Isn't it wonderful to get up and see? To see colors and things and lights and all that goes on around you. It's nice to see. When you say it's nice to see, it's wonderful to see. I, I would suppose to you that if, that if I were have you to discriminate of all the senses you have, which is most valuable to you, you'd probably say it's my vision. I need to see because even if I couldn't hear, I could read your lips. Need, need, need my eyes. If I could see, I could, I could get around. I, I could take care of myself. But, but when you're blind, uh, you cannot connect to the world as you would. Of all of your senses, the greatest sense that you have in your natural way of connecting to the world itself is through sight. Jesus says about sight that if we can, Jesus says that the, the light of the body is the eye. Because Jesus takes that vision, that natural vision, and gives you a spiritual connection. Y'all catching that? That Jesus said if, if the light of the body is the eye. And if the eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. And we know what that light is. That light is Christ. The light is the Lord. Even the beloved John says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of flesh, and the pride of life, this is not of the Father, it is of the world. So we start to see that the way that we connect to the world through our senses will inevitably fall into some level of morality or into some spiritual sense. How many know that the believer should have vision, spiritual vision? How many know that it's valuable for you to be able to extract from the Word of God and be able to see your future through the Word? I mean, I know a lot of you can look back over your shoulder and give me 2020 of what yesterday. What I want you to be able to do is to look into your future and say, this is that which God has spoken. This is that. Sadly, we're living in a generation of a lot of believers who are just blind to God. With no spiritual vision at all. A, a God who of himself, when God first created everything, the first thing that he said was, let there be light. I want you to know who I am. It is purposeful for you to be able to see God and to know God. You need vision. When you look at your neighbor and say, you need vision. Some of y'all, I'm going to do some LASIK surgery on your spiritual eyes this morning. You, you need to see like never before. Open your Bible, St. Saint, Saint Luke 24. Just going to let you put your eyes on it because I want you to see the single greatest chapter in the Bible of spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. St. Luke chapter 24. This, is, this chapter is the greatest chapter in all of the Word of God 
that typifies what it is to be blind to God. Sadly, St. Luke chapter 24 is the last book of the physician's book giving us the totality and the sum of the finished work of Christ. And people are still blind. And the people who say they know him best. Do you know today that you can say you know Christ and not be able to see him? I know a lot of Christians who say, listen, I know everything there is to know about Jesus. The problem is they don't see him. They have no working revelation of the purposes of Christ in their life. And because they have no working revelation, they can't see their future through the Lord. Listen, do you know today what I'm wanting you to do is I'm wanting you to be able to see tomorrow through the eyes of God. Let me say that one more time. I want you to be able to see tomorrow through the eyes of God. I want you to know what means this right now. Not after you go through, I want you to see it now before you even get to it. Right? St. Luke chapter 24, great physician, gives us the greatest chapter on spiritual blindness. It begins like this. There is a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene. She's with Joanna. Mary, the mother of James, and the other women, they are going to the tomb with spices. Early in the morning on the third day, they're expecting to dress the body of the Lord that he won't stink. They're not there because the Lord told them he'd get up on the third day. Isn't it amazing that Jesus spent all his time telling him how he would suffer and be crucified and rise on the third day, yet nobody was there to see the event happen. Nobody showed up. And the people that are showing up are going there to address his death, not his life. They're just, just spiritually blind. When they get to the tomb, the Bible says that Mary Magdalene was, was, was confronted by two angels. And the two angels said to Mary Magdalene, Why seek ye the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He is alive. And you know what they said? Don't you remember? When he spake unto you while you were yet in Galilee? How that the Son of Man would be delivered unto the hands of sinners and be crucified and rise on the third day? And the Bible says, then they remembered his words. And it was only after they were reminded of the words of Christ that they ran back to the upper room. Touch your neighbor and say, this is the upper room. Problem is, you can be in the upper room and not know where you are. And they came in and they told the disciples what had happened. And the Bible says that as they spoke, watch this, Peter hearing their words, this is Peter, right? Peter hearing their words, the Bible says it seemed as idle tales and they believed them not. You see, they were spiritually blind. They went out to the sepulcher and the Bible says they found it just as the woman had said. They didn't see him there. 
this is where the story begins because when they got back, there were two other disciples. You know that Jesus had more than 12 disciples? He had over 80 disciples. Uh, two of those disciples, for whatever reason, the Bible doesn't tell us why, begin a trip from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Do you know that the word Emmaus means hot? So they're going to the city of hotness. Come on, somebody. Uh, today we're going to the city of hotness. Taking you to Emmaus. Come with me. As they're traveling, somebody comes alongside of them. Their eyes could not behold, perceive that the person that came next to them was Jesus himself. The disciples didn't recognize that Jesus had come up right next to them. And they were walking to Emmaus. And, and Jesus comes and says to them, what manner of conversation have you? As you walk together, watch this, and are sad. What manner of conversation are you having? As you're walking over to Emmaus. And, and why, why is your countenance so fallen? And then Cleophas tells the Lord, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not heard of the things which have come to pass there in these days? And Jesus says this, what things? You know, what things? You, you know, we laugh at that. Well, what things been going on in your life where you can't see Jesus? What, what's been happening in your little world where you can't perceive the Lord, where, where you feel like God's abandoning you, and in reality, he's standing right there next to you. Listen, friend, don't come in here giving me your little faces and your little facade. I know where you're living, and I know what's going on. And my friend, I've come to tell you that the things that are going on in your life require spiritual vision. You've got to be able to see the Lord. You've got to be able to see him. Listen, you've got to be able to see him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some salve on your eyes today. How many know sometimes you need some ointment? Right? So I'm going to open up your eyes to the reality of God. Right? So watch what happens. He says, what things? And Cleophas says, how that Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, how the chief priests, the religious elite, they condemned him to death and they crucified him. You see, we thought he was going to be the redeemer of all of Israel. And besides this, it's the third day since all these things happened. Hmm. Hmm. The third day? He goes, as a matter of fact, stranger, one of the women in our company, she went to the tomb this morning. And she came back into that upper room. You know what she told us? She said that two angels met her there. And you know what they told her? That Jesus is alive. She even told Peter and John that. And they went out to check it. And it was just as they had said. They went out there. The tomb was rolled back. The stone was rolled away. And they couldn't find him. And that stranger, you know what he said? Oh, fool. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And watch this, verse 27. He says this. 
and beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he expounded unto them the scriptures and all those scriptures of those things concerning himself. He said, without the word, you can't see Jesus. Let me say that to you one more time. Friend, if you're not in your Bible, you can't see Jesus. He will always, he will always be hidden from you. And he can be right there next to you. Watch what happens. You thought that would be the end of the story. Oh, great, great. You know, and the Bible says that they constrained him. It was towards the end of the day to come eat with us. And the Bible says that when they went into the, the village, when they got to Emmaus, that they sat down to eat. The Bible says that, that, that Jesus, whom they did not know was Jesus, the Bible says he took the bread. And he broke it. And he blessed it. And he gave thanks and divided it. And as soon as they had communion, their eyes opened up. And they perceived it was the Lord. And then he vanished. He vanished. He vanished. Because the issue of seeing Christ is you have to take the word by faith to see him. That's what we call communion. That's what we call communion. Did you know that God likes to talk to you? He's looking forward to it. You know that God wants to reveal himself to you? He's looking forward to it. The question is where you open your Bible at. Where you get the scripture inside. Because it's by the scripture that we apprehend the now. It's how we say to the things, this is that which the word spoke about. Listen, when's the last time you've had a this is that experience in your life? Friend, if it's been days or months or, or years since you've been able to point out a situation, when you're going through, not when you come out, but as you're going in, say, this is that which the Bible spoke about. This is that which the word declared. This is that which Jesus said unto me. This is the hour. This is the time. When have you had a this or that experience? This is that experience. You, you thought it would have been done then, right? Not true. The Bible says that after he appeared to them, Cleopas and the disciples, they ran back to the upper room. And when they got there, guess what? Peter's there saying, it's real. It's true. He's alive. I saw him for myself. And the Bible says that while they were going through all of the things they had seen, all the things they had seen Jesus do, the Bible says that Jesus came in the midst of the room. You know what he says? Peace be still. Watch this. He says, peace be still. And guess what happened? Everybody was terrified. Jesus comes in, peace be still, everybody's scared. And the Bible says, and they wondered what they were seeing. And what does Jesus do? Touch my hands. Touch my feet. Touch my side. Feel me. Touch me. You know, your senses. You know, use them. Touch me, feel me. Please. If I was a spirit, would a spirit have flesh and bones? Then you know what he says? Have you here any meat? And so he sat down. And the Bible says that they had some broiled fish and some honeycomb. And Jesus had fish and honeycomb. And while he was there eating, he said this. Could not all of this have been fulfilled? Did it not, not tell you that I would come and fulfill every word written by the prophet Moses to all of the prophets, to everything in Psalms? Did I not tell you that I am the fulfillment of the word of God? That I'm the fulfillment 
And then the Bible says, then he opened their understanding. And how did he open it? Through the scripture. Through the word. Let me tell you what's going on here at Harvest Point. I opened up this year, 2022, because my face is on the face of God. My ear is on his chest. And I have come in here and I have declared to you that these are the last days. In fact, I've said to you, these are the last hours. And it's though that as I preach to you and speak to you, it is though you hear it as idle tales. Friend, can I invite you this week? Can I invite you this week to read St. Matthew 24? Read the Bible for yourself. The revelation of what you need to hear isn't going to come from here. It's going to come when you get alone with the Holy Ghost, with your Bible and your prayer closet, and you read it for yourself. We are in the last hours, and I'm trying to stir the church. I'm trying to stir your heart, not because I want a reaction from you, but because I'm trying to get you home. We are in the last hours. You've got to read it for yourself. You say, preacher, what? Listen, how, how about reading think, 2 Timothy chapter 3, where even Paul tells young Timothy that in the last day will be perilous times. Why are they perilous? Because people are so narcissistic. People are blasphemers. They're unholy, unthankful people. He goes through everything that we see, not on the outside, but on the inside of the church. But friend, I'm here to tell you, you get alone with the Word of God, then my preaching will come alive to you. Then you can see what I'm speaking for yourself. I introduced to you the passages of, of, of Acts chapter 2. You know why I read that? Because I wanted you to hear that Peter said, these are the last days. This is that. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I just read to you that it was Peter who identified to you that the outpouring at Pentecost is the former rain. It's the first rain that ever happened on mankind. How many know it was glorious? I mean, when the Holy Spirit poured out, I mean, man, things changed, man. I mean, I mean, Jesus says, don't you go talking about me until you be endued with power from above. And the Holy Ghost fell in that upper room like a mighty rushing wind, and fire fell in that place, and lives were transformed for God by the power of the Holy Ghost. But friend, that's just a moderate rain. It's just a moderate rain. It's just enough to get the thing started. Do you know that in the Bible that there is a former and a latter rain? I just read to you through the scriptures that it was Apostle Peter who introduced to you when he said, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke about. What did he speak about? The former rain. It's already happened. The prophet Joel spoke that 800 years before Peter declared it. And he had it memorized. And he knew the word. And he was able to say, in a time when nobody understood it, when people were marveling but doubting what was happening, he said to them, everybody standing, everybody hear me, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke about. This is that. It began what we call the last days. A former rain, it fell. Let me tell you what it does. When the former rain falls in the Middle East, Palestine, Jerusalem, 
It's when the farmer knows that he can plant a seed. Because the ground can be moved with chalking. And he puts a, a, a kernel of grain and he covers it. Because after the, the former rain it begins to get dry, it forces the seed's roots to go down real deep. Goes down into where it finds a place where it can be nourished. And once it gets settled, once it gets founded, then the stalk comes up. Now, anybody in Jerusalem, anybody that knows anything about horticultural science knows that if it rains too much, uh, the, the stalk grows too fast. Then when it sprouts the grain, it's too heavy for the stalk, and it just bends over, and all the grain is lost. So God sends a dry season. I mean, it rained real nice in November, December, but then, then it doesn't rain at all, and it gets dry. And as that stalk comes up, it experiences dryness. And watch what happens to it. It forms a knot on the stalk. And it almost doesn't grow again. It just gets a knot on it. You heard what I said. It gets a knot in the dry season. I'll tell you the truth about your faith. You, you know what the truth about your faith is? It goes through a dry season. And there's times in your faith and walk with God where it seems like you don't know where he is. It almost seems like he's abandoning you. Some of you are going through a hard season in your life. You know why? Because you are disobedient to God and he's had to put a knot on you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Touch your neighbor and say, I've gotten some knots before. Anybody ever get your behind whipped? You ever been spanked before and you went and fell back and you felt like there's a little a, a knot on the behind? God, God will put a knot on you. But how many know that that knot produces a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto the kingdom of God? You're going to bear fruit through that righteousness, right? That chastisement. A lot of us, we were going through stuff right now. We don't realize that this dry season, God is perfecting. He's making the stalk form a knot. Then as you move through that, then it grows again. Then you get another knot. Then it grows again and you get another knot. <laughs> grows again, gets another knot. And when you look at a real healthy stock, it has knots all up and down the stock because it's been perfected in the dry season. Perfected in the dry season. Because God knows what he's about to do with you. Uh, the, 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 the dry season in your life that should produce in you a thirst. Uh, at the very least, a remedy. You, you, you know, the Spirit of the Lord woke me up this morning. It was early. And, and he started talking to me about the prophet Jonah. We, he said some things that I had to talk to our leadership team about. And then, and, and then he says, uh, preacher, how long do, do you proceed or think it'll be dry before you cry out for rain? You, you know, I say this, I'll, I'll digress into the natural. You, you know, some states... Uh, suffer uh, drought. You know, just recently, California went through a very terrible drought. A, a, a liberal state. You know, I could, I could probably say maybe it's the judgment of God. But oddly, I, I started noticing that, uh, that political figures, 
who have no connection to God. Who have, who have no understanding of how God works or the nature of God. They begin to ask believers, will you pray for us? That, that God would send rain to California. Uh, th these are people who know nothing about God. Who could care less about the things of God. Care nothing about the Bible. And the Spirit of the Lord reminded me, how can an unbeliever pray for rain? And the church itself in its dryness. Not ask God, God, send rain on the church. Lord, we need rain here, man. Just, just Holy Ghost rain on and rain, rain, rain on us. Rain on us. You see, when God sends that latter rain, you know, there's grain there. It's, you know, the stalks grown. The, the wheat is at a point where it can support the grains. But, but, but because the stalk is strong, when the latter rain comes, the stalk can be full. The, the, the grain can manifest, and it won't fall over. It'll stand there, and it'll bear the fruit. You, you, you know, the latter rain makes, makes everything fatter, everything richer. Uh, th 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 the prophet Joel said the latter rain, it'll, it'll make the, 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 the vats full of oil. They'll be, will be full of wine. There'll be plenty. There'll be a supernatural increase. Friends, I'm here to tell you, how, how long are you going to be dry? Before you yourself cry out for rain. Listen, you're going through motions and you can't even keep up with your spiritual motions. You're labored by the things of God. You're labored by coming to church. You think you did God a favor when you come to church. Friend, I'm here to tell you, you didn't do God no favor. Listen, if you decided not to praise him, even the very rocks will cry out his holy name. I've come to ask you a pointed question. When are you going to get tired and fatigued in the dryness of your life? Wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better to get a place in your life through the word of God that you could say to yourself, this is that time. This is that. This is the time. I don't want to go through motions anymore. I don't want to go to church and leave the church the same way I came in. I don't want to be going through my marriage. I don't want to be going through the thoughts of my mind. I don't want to be going through all the spiritual duties and labors that I have. If it's not coming from a genuine, bona fide love for God, I want the fruitness. I want the fatness. I want all that God has for me. Holy Spirit, send the rain. Uh, uh, I got like three or four of you, and that's all I need. If I can get five or six of you to get, get the rain pouring out. We've got to cry out, God, send rain. Send rain, send rain. The Spirit, when he woke me up, he said, Preacher, I want to take you to some passages. He knows, the Spirit knows that he can remind me what Jesus said because I know what he said. How can I remind you of something that Jesus said if you don't know what Jesus said? Let me say that one more time. How many know the work of the Holy Spirit is to remind you of the very words of God? But if you don't know the words of God, how can he remind you of anything that God said? Man, I memorize swaths of scriptures, man. You, you catch me, people probably drive past me, walk past me and say, why is that guy mumbling? I ain't mumbling, baby. I'm reciting the word of God. I'm saying it over and over and over again. I'm saying it as a declaration of the devil. Sometimes I'm pointing my finger in the car and I'm quoting Psalms 18 or I'm quoting Psalm 27 and I'm quoting, I'm saying, in the name of Jesus, I quote this to your face. Come on, somebody. I'm aggressive because I know what time it is. This is that. Listen, look around, man. Isn't the dry? Don't you see the dryness? 
this is not the church. What we have in here, friend, let me tell you something, this ain't it. You're going to see it when the Holy Spirit comes down on this place. You're going to say, I can't believe I ever lived like that. I can't believe I thought like that. Listen, you get in the presence of God and you are changed for the rest of your life. Man, and I want, I want the Holy Ghost to come on this place so real, so tangible. I want you to taste the Holy Ghost. I want you to feel the Holy Ghost. I want you to smell the Holy Spirit. I want you to be in the Holy Ghost. The latter rain. I heard the Holy Spirit tell me early this morning, preacher, go to Zechariah. And immediately I said, I know where you're going. That's Zechariah 10. I know exactly what you're going to tell me. Why don't you open your Bible to Zechariah? It's not hard to find. It's the second book of the Old Testament. Because I don't got time for you to be looking in your index in five days to flip through all the pages. You got to know where your Bible is, baby. Listen, you, you, listen, you got to get familiar with your Bible. If you want to see Jesus... Man, can I encourage some of you this week to read a gospel? Yes, sir. Not a chapter, but read a gospel. Yes, sir. Pick one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Get to know. Become familiar with the words of Jesus. Because if you don't hear them, you won't see them. Let me say it again. If you don't read them, you won't see them. He could be right next to you, and you won't know that's Jesus. Do you know some of you are going through some stuff right now? And you've never been as close to Jesus as you are now, except you don't know it. And the devil's got you all tripped up. You're all, you're shaking in your boots. You don't know how close to God he, you are. If you would only observe that he is right there next to you. And the place, that the, the voice that's speaking to you, the voice of God, the Holy Spirit, you can't even discern his voice because you're so terrified at the thing of the prospect of your future. And the Spirit is telling you there what you need to hear, except we can't hear it because we've grown deaf and blind to God. And I've come to run salve on your eyes. Get back in your Bible. Some of you that want to know if this is the last day, read St. Matthew 24 and tell me if we're not in the last days. I was hoping Brother David would be here. Brother David, this past week, are you in Zechariah? If I could go to chapter 10, I'm going to read and I'm going to finish it. I ain't got nothing more to say. Check this out. Because this past week, I was sitting down with David, a, a friend of the church. He, he had been here for maybe 15 years and, and he said, I wanted to come back. And, and, and he said he sat in the service last Sunday. And his wife is from Ukraine. And he said, he's been watching the news. And, and he says, I've been so overcome with, with, with what's going on in Ukraine and for fear for her family. And there's all sorts of things going on in the wars and the rumors of war. And I remembered your words. He says, Pastor, you set me free last Sunday when you said, you're not looking for the signs. You're not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the latter rain and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He goes, I was terrified, and, and all of a sudden, the Spirit reminded me of what you said, and I, I understood. It was an uh, aha moment. Yes, sir. I said, you see, the devil had me looking at wars and rumors of wars, and he had me terrified, and I'm not supposed to look at that. I'm supposed to be looking at the Holy Spirit coming in his power and in his glory and in his ability, and he says, and it awakened me. Oh, church, some of you are asleep right now. You are asleep. You know the coming of the Son of Christ is not coming to those that are asleep. He's not going to come like a thief in the night. We're looking for him. We're, we're waiting on him. Well, how are we waiting? Because we're in the word, man. We're waiting on the coming. How many are waiting for Jesus? Man, Jesus, man, not to come quickly. Trust me, you're not going to catch me asleep. Trust me. I may call you up and say, you got five minutes. 
You got five minutes. You better say something to God before he comes back. I'm going, man. Listen, I, I got my eye on the sky, man. I got my, my, my spiritual mind is on things above. This is the last hour. The Spirit sent me this word. I'm just going to read it to you. Because, man, we, 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 we got to wake up, baby. You, you. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to wake up, man. I mean, you're way past beauty sleep. I mean, you, 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 you're just being lazy. How many of you know there's sleeping, there's beauty sleep, and then you, you lazy after that? Come on, somebody. Somebody say hallelujah. Will you look at your name and say, stop being lazy. Come on. Wake up, man. Wake up. Wake up. And I, and I go back to what I said before. I tell the church, I'm not a motivational coach. I'm a preacher. But, but I'm responsible to what I say. And I wouldn't say this to you if I didn't hear the Spirit of God tell it to me. And so I don't want you to say, well, I went to church, old preacher talking about the last days. Read it for yourself. Second Timothy chapter 3, read it for yourself and see what the Spirit tells you. If he tells you something different, come talk to me about it. Even Peter says, this is that former rain which was prophesied. Yes, sir. You know, that was 2,022 years ago when the former rain fell. It's been dry ever since. Yes, sir. You don't want rain in your life? You don't want some rain? Man, I'm ready for some rain, man. I tell, I tell the first lady, I said, baby, listen, I, you know, I, how much longer am I going to have to squeeze? How much longer I got to be doing this? Wouldn't it be nice if we come in and just, just pray? You see, we, we got to spend 45 minutes of worship to get your mind off of things you're suffering from. And half of you don't even like the songs we sing. You don't even know why you're worshiping because you didn't have a this or that a moment in your life. This past week, listen, if you had six or seven this or that's in your week, you'd be praising the Lord. When you came to the house of God, you'd be worshiping the Lord. Do, do you understand that we come here to worship God? We, we're worshiping because, you know, who he is. For some of you, what he's done. You keep saying God is good. Well, where is the this is that this week? Has, is God good? Everybody, God's good. We give lip service to it. But where was the this is that? But where were you when the goodness showed up? When you say this is that which God said he would do. You know, we need that in our life. Because it produces an element of worship in our life. An element of glory to God. Do you know that if you don't get a this is that, you won't give glory to God? You had a this or that, but you gave glory to your doctor. You had a this or that, but you said it was because a friend of mine. You know, it's not who you know, but what you know. We, we go through all of these things where we just don't give God glory because we don't have enough this is that in our life. But man, once you start getting those, and you start getting the word of God, and you start pointing the things and saying in the name of Jesus, and quoting the word of God, and declaring the word of God, and when it manifests, you said, this is that which the Lord promised me. You get a this or that. Then when you come to church, your hands go up, you worship the Lord, you're operating in maturity, your faith is growing, you're walking in the newness of life. You're walking in maturity. Listen, man, I, I pray one day, I don't even have to preach, let's, let's, let's just pray today. Everybody's, you know, busting at the seams full of goodness and God's glory and, and we're testifying and giving God all that's doing. So I don't like going to Harvest Point Church. It's two hours service. What's two hours to get you cranked up? 
We could have a 10-minute service if, if, if you came in here in the glory of God. Touch your neighbor and say, man, wake up. Come on. I don't want to be in church all day trying to get the glory. You should have had the glory when you walked in the door because you had a this is that week. This is that, man. This is that. First lady and I, we were out doing some business, and everywhere I went, everything was falling into place. Of this is that which the Lord spoke to me. <laughs> Remember, baby, I said, look at all this stuff falling in my lap. I don't even have to work. People just doing stuff for me. So this is that which the Lord spoke to me. Giving God the glory. Giving God the glory. Man, favor. This is that. Favor. This is that which the Lord spoke. When grace falls on you, this is that. When the mercy of the Lord meets you, this is that. When his tender mercies greet you in the morning, this is that which the Lord spoke to me. Come on. How many know his mercies are new every morning? Man, you got up. This is that which God. Oh. Okay, watch this. Just stand up with me. I'm going to read this to you. And we'll just, we'll just end right here. How about this? We'll just end. This is the last thing the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me early this morning. Last thing. I was dead asleep. I went to bed late. And, and the Spirit spoke to me. He said, Preacher, I want you to tell your people that unless they pray for rain, it's going to come. Now, I don't know who wants to join me. I just, man, it'd be nice. You know, I could, I could go home and give thanks to God and say, Father, the, the people are praying for rain. They're praying, they're praying for rain. It'd be nice, it'd be nice. I could say, you know, uh, uh, some of y'all don't know my pattern. You know, I, I come home and, and I don't just, you know, I'll go get something to eat, but that doesn't end my day. I, I get back in my prayer closet. I'll go back over everything I said. I said, baby, I say everything you gave me. And if I miss anything, I'll say it again next Sunday. And while I prayed last week, the spirit, things I wanted to say, but time ran out. And he said, you got to go back and say it. But, but, but when, I, when I go back today and I pray, I want to be able to tell the spirit of God, we're praying to see rain on us. Listen. If you're not dry, you probably won't pray. Let me say that again. If you're not dry, you probably won't pray. And that's just, that, that's just the Quaker word. I want to stand behind these preachers. I know JC's somewhere around here, somewhere. I'm not sure. I'll, uh, there you go. But how amazing it would be if you came to the determination that your spiritual life is dry. I don't mind telling you that I'm your pastor. I get I have the right to tell you that. That I think some of you have grown cold. Not all of you, some of you. Might be some in here today that your issue in faith. Get back in the Bible. Read it again. Do, do you know that the more you know about God, the greater your prayer life becomes? The less fear can apprehend you. 
God's not a man that he should lie. And if he tells you something, he means it. When God spoke his word, not only did he mean it, he bled over those words to make sure that everything he said will come to pass in your life. I could say that, but if you don't know what he said, if you haven't taken it in and memorized it and recited it and declared it, even while you're going through your hardship, you won't see Jesus. And friend, listen, when you see Jesus in the midst of your problem, all your fear goes away. You see, he's here with me. We have to pray for that latter rain. Let me, let me read. One second, Pastor. I just want to read this and I'll let you share it. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1 says this. Ask ye of the Lord rain. Are you there with me? Zechariah 10, 1. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. And this is it. This is the time of the latter rain. This is it. So we can ask for rain. Watch this. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. And we know all people are grass. We know the Lord speaks of salvation, plenty, prosperity. Are you ready for rain? I'm ready for it. I'm ready for rain. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for rain. Anybody ready for rain? I'm ready for it. Come on, just close your eyes right now and just say, Holy Spirit, rain on me. Holy Spirit, rain on me. Come on, just start saying, Holy Spirit, pour out your spirit, the latter rain that produces a harvest in me. Pour out a latter rain in these days that bring souls into the kingdom of God. Mansfield needs revival. And it starts right here with me. I'm asking for rain, God. Pour out your spirit upon me. Will you pray it? Will you cry out of your heart, say, Lord, I'm dry. 